Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pod in the Red Sox, bloggingtheredsox.com podcast. Uh, Brendan Campbell here, your host. And today, I'm happy to be welcomed by uh, Red Sox prospect Tyler Dearden. Uh, Tyler, thank you for joining me today. Uh, how's it going? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, everything's going good. Just got home uh, after uh, another another long season. So um, based off what you told me just the other day, like you made the trek all the way from uh, South Carolina to your house in uh, New Jersey. Yeah. So, yeah, I drove. It was about a 10 hour drive. I kind of just straight shot at home. <laughs> a lot of traffic. No, I didn't hit any traffic. Luckily, I, I used the uh, the Waze app and uh, found the best time to leave and luckily hit no traffic. So um, you play in Greenville 2019 too, right? Not just this past season? Yes. Uh, what do you think of the city itself? I mean, I've never been there personally, but from what I can tell, it looks like a pretty nice spot. No, Greenville is, Greenville is awesome. It's probably one of the cooler spots I've been throughout my career in minor league baseball. Um, just uh, unbelievable city uh the field itself uh is unbelievable one of the nicer fields again that i've played at and you know having that field downtown right next to the city draws good crowds honestly monday through sunday really doesn't matter what day of the week so it's an awesome spot awesome environment i should have looked this up beforehand but were you there to open the 2019 season like right after opening day so i was with the team i ended up uh getting hurt at the end of spring training, fouled a ball off my ankle. So I was with the team, but I was rehabbing there. I ended up rehabbing for a couple months in Greenville. Uh, so were you there when Dustin Pedroia rehabbed, like right at the start of the 2019 season? Yes, I was. That was, that was a cool, that was cool. A lot of buzz. Yeah. Talk, I, that was, I mean, Greenville draws good crowds, but it was sold out every night he was playing. So it was awesome. Just on that note, when you were playing there in 2019, that was low A ball. This year was high A ball, given like the minor league realignment or whatever you want to call it. So yeah. was there any confusion there for you? Because like you're playing on the same uniform, playing the same stadium, but uh, you're playing against a higher level of competition all of a sudden. Yeah, no. I mean, obviously everyone, know, you know, you know that it's a different level, but it, it still kind of felt like it was kind of, you know, you're still with the same team, still in the same spot. But so it's kind of it's kind of like a, a weird feeling if you may, like, it's an interesting thing to kind of be playing on the same team, but a higher level, but it was, it was another awesome year. Were you alone in that regard? You have guys on the team who played there 2019 uh, low A. I mean, I think like Jay Groom is an example, but. Yeah, there were a good amount of guys. I know in the outfield, me, Tyler Esplin, Cole Brannon, I'm trying to think there were some other guys, Alan Marrero, some other guys that were in the same boat as me. And I just turning look back the clock now, going back to your senior season of high school before you you were drafted. Uh, what was your approach there in terms of weighing going pro right away, or I believe you commit to Penn State? So how'd you weigh those options? Yeah, um, obviously never an, an easy decision uh, by any means. Um, but at the end of the day, I know talked it over with my family, with my agent, a lot of people, and uh, at the end of the day, I chose chose to pursue my dream and play professional baseball over uh, over going to school at Penn State, which well, wasn't an easy decision by any means. But, you know, looking back, I wouldn't trade it, trade it for the world. Uh, do you think your commitment is the reason you fell to the 29th round or I think there was another reason why? Um, I think that was I mean, there's a lot of talk of why that happened. And obviously the commitment to Penn State was 
some there was some chatter on that. You know, I you never really I try not to really think about that. You know, I think everything happens for a reason. But obviously, you know, come come draft day wasn't wasn't ideally how it I wanted it to plan out pan out. But you know, looking back now, you know, I can't couldn't be more thankful for the Red Sox for giving me an opportunity and I'm just trying to make the best of it. Uh, how much of that opportunity did uh, like have uh, how much of that has to do with you getting to know Ray Fagnan during your time in high school? Yeah, definitely a lot. Ray is Ray is awesome. He's one of my he's one of my favorite people. Just a really good dude. Came down uh, came down to see me a bunch during my senior year, and uh, you know after the day after I got drafted, he actually drove down to New Jersey seven hours, however far came and ate dinner with my family, talked and drove home. So I think that that played a big part, you know, to show that, you know, he really cared and he really wanted me, you know, to sign. I think that definitely played a big part. And I can't thank him enough. Does it play a role, like your relationship with him? Does it like, does it help that he was the guy who signed like Matt Barnes back in 2011 or uh, Jay Groom the year before you? Right. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of knew him through uh, me and Jay Groom actually have the, the same agent. So you know, there's definitely some chemistry there and, you know, that raise a guy I really trust. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd say that definitely played a part in it. Uh, did you play with Jay or even fellow New Jersey native Nick Becker at all in high school? So I played, played against, against, I should say, play, played against those guys a lot. So groom groom was a year older than me and Decker was a year younger than me. Uh, groom didn't play didn't play him at all in high school he's kind of closer to the shore we were we'd never really played them in conference or in conference or out of conference games so never really got to play against him but I did when I was younger playing travel ball we would always match up he played for the young guns I played for a South Jersey elite and we were kind of two of the top New Jersey teams would kind of square off against each other and then Decker Decker was is only about 15 minutes from me so we would play him about once a year in high school. So two guys that I knew, I knew kind of before pro ball and two guys I still, you know, talk to now. And given your New Jersey connections, do you think it helped uh, basically your first full year you started Lowell? Do you think it helped that you were familiar with the Northeast? Like you're not coming from a warm weather town or anything like that? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess so. I know some guys never really played up in the Northeast. I think, uh, you know, some people kind of knock the Northeast a lot from a baseball standpoint. But I mean, looking at looking at rosters in the big leagues, looking at draft, previous drafts, there's there's some good there's a lot of good talent up here. You miss the New York Penn League at all for like the guys below you or do you think like it's not necessary anymore? You know, I think it I think it I definitely think it's it kind of hurts guys it, all throughout professional baseball you know anytime you're cutting a team that's 30 30 guys or 25 guys that now either have to go up a level or go down to now the florida complex league or get get cut so i mean it definitely it's a huge factor throughout the whole system and you know losing a team like that is affects a lot of guys careers and i think it's a really good opportunity especially for me after playing the first year in the gcl kind of with no fans then going to the short season and kind of just getting like a nice short season where you're with fans, you're kind of getting introduced to the minor league lifestyle, playing, going on the road, traveling a little bit, nothing too crazy. I think it was definitely a good, good part of pro ball that really gets guys introduced to it.
So when you're playing for the spinners and then the like the crop of college draft picks come to join you guys, do you feel like you're more experienced because you have more experience in pro ball than them? Or do you like look up to them because they're older probably? Um, I think, you know, all the guys kind of get along. I mean, they kind of have some more experience under their, their belt kind of playing college baseball and coming from Fort Myers. Obviously, yeah, in pro ball for a year, but it's kind of a different animal once you get to affiliated ball. It's 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 completely different. So I think everyone's kind of on the same same playing field. And uh, last year with the minor league season being canceled, where were you exactly when you found that out? Yeah, so I was down in Fort Myers in spring training. I kind of remember this day pretty well. So, you know, kind of COVID started coming along early on in spring training. I was down there a couple of weeks early, got down there. But this was like the real first week of spring training where everyone was there. You know, COVID kind of started seeing some things. The whole Rudy Gobert incident happened. Guys were talking about that. I said, you know, watching that game and seeing that. And then I remember coming in that day. I can't remember exactly the day we, that we found out. The morning of, we saw some other teams or heard from other guys um, that they were, like, shut down for the weekend. I think it was, like, a Thursday or Friday. They kind of canceled all activities till the next Monday to try and, you know, figure out what was going on. There was a lot of uncertainty. And I remember we had a meeting early that morning with everyone kind of talking and, you know, every kind of everyone in charge just kind of like, Hey, we're going to keep doing our thing. You know, we had a full day of practice. We had inner squads. Obviously there were concerns kind of went home that night. Like everything was fine. I remember taking a nap after a long day, like three, four o'clock, get woken up by my roommate, Tyler Esplin, telling me we're going home. You know, I checked my phone, got a message that, you know, MLB, like, is sending everybody home. So it's it a weird, weird day. Uh, so did you go home right after that, or did you stay in Florida? Yeah, so that night, uh, that night, I kind of, they told everyone, come get your stuff, and you're free to leave. You know, they scheduled flights for guys the next day. I had my car, so I was driving. So I packed my stuff up and left early the next morning and just, headed home, you know, a lot of uncertainty. No one knew what was going to happen. I remember I left early in the morning, just trying to make it all the way back to Jersey, which I didn't end up making it, but there was just talk about, you know, whenever the pandemic first hit, they're talking about closing state borders, crazy stuff that obviously never, never happened. But as I was driving, I was like, I got to make it home or I'm going to get stuck somewhere. I think I ended up making it to Virginia and I had to had to take a break and stayed overnight and then got home the next day. But yeah, there was definitely some panic. I was a little worried I wasn't going to get home. What'd you do with all your downtime last year, if you want to call it that? Like, did you just work out? Yeah. So, you know, the first couple of months, everything up here in New Jersey was kind of shut down. So doing a lot of stuff on my own, uh, you know, hitting over at my high school field with my dad, just kind of lifting in my basement with what I had. And then, you know, as stuff started opening up, got to go back. I actually, before even that, over in uh, Pennsylvania, my agent owns a facility called uh, Maple Zone Sports Institute, where I work out in the offseason. Some other guys with the Red Sox do as well. Josh Akami, Brennan Salucci, Zach Skellinger. So kind of when it first hit, there were a lot of us and a lot of other pro guys. We would go out to the field and we were kind of doing live at bats when COVID kind of first hit to you know, we we're still trying to stay ready. The season wasn't canceled. So guys were, we were trying to do whatever we could. So kind of doing that throughout the summer, ended up playing in a, a college league in the summer um, over at, at same spot, you know, some good D1 guys, just kind of just trying to play 
you know, once that season officially got canceled, just just trying to play because, you know, you can't can't make up a 400 at bat season. You know, you can't really get those at bats back. So really over the summer, just trying to get as many at bats as I could was going different places where guys were throwing live BPs just to see some pitching, get some at bats. So, yeah, pretty much that was it. I think that helped with like keeping your timing on track and whatnot, staying in shape. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's kind of that's the biggest thing is seeing live pitching. You know, you can swing all day in the cage on the machine, but you can't re- replicate a live arm. You know, if guys throw a 95 with a good curveball, a good changeup, like, you know, just getting in the box and seeing a live arm throughout that time, I think definitely helped me kind of stay ready. And did the team give you any instruction during the layoff, like over the phone or email? Yeah, so we would have some Zoom meetings kind of we'd have like it was kind of based on your position so like once a week we'd meet with uh like as an outfielder we'd meet with uh Darren Fenster outfield coordinator just going over some basic stuff you know not really a whole lot we could do meeting with uh hitting coordinator Greg Norton just talking then our mental skills coordinator Dan Abrams hopping on and just kind of talking you know we'd send some video to them stuff like that but I think the biggest thing it was good to just kind of hop on the phone and like talk to some of the guys and the coaches and just see some faces that you're usually around all, all, all the time. So. Uh, is Fenster someone, you know, well, uh, Fenster, i never really knew him before kind of the Red Sox. I always knew of him, you know, coach played and coached at Rutgers and now I've gotten to know him really well. And he's, he's one of my favorite guys in the organization. So is it cool for you and you see him coaching in the Olympics or with the Red Sox this year? Yeah, it was awesome. I, I'm, I'm super happy for him. That's awesome that he got a chance to, you know, coach in the Olympics and then even have some time to uh, coach up in the big leagues, you know, with some COVID stuff going on, him getting the opportunity to go up there. Kind of stinks that he wasn't around as much during the season to come, you know, see us. But, I mean, I couldn't be happy for him. It's an unbelievable opportunity. Like, how aware of you are of SoxProspects.com? I'm always curious about that. Yeah, no, I definitely have seen it a lot all over, you know, on Twitter, on the internet, you know, guys always say like they try not to look at that stuff, but I think everyone kind of, everyone kind of looks at it, sees what what people are saying. So like they have a list of like the fall instructional league rosters year by year and you weren't listed there last year. Was there any reason for that? Yeah, no, um, that was kind of something, you know, I wasn't invited last year and that was kind of something. I guess I kind of took personally, you know, missing a whole whole year and then, you know, guys get invited down to instructs, kind of being left off that list, you know, kind of was some extra motivation for me uh, to kind of. So basically just, you know, I tried to just get as many live at bats, like I said, throughout that fall too. some are going into fall, getting live at bats, playing in the college league, just trying to do everything I can to stay ready, even though, you know, I wasn't invited to instructs. And reading some of your scouting report, it looks like you, uh, you're kind of dragged down a bit because of uh, your injury history. So even yes. though you did spend a week on the IL this season, what does it mean for you to uh, stay healthy enough to play in uh, 97 games? Yeah, no, this was – I mean, that was one of my main goals coming into the year was to play a full healthy season and, you know, to come out playing 97 out of 120. Obviously had a little IL stint, uh, but that was more of making it – diving catch dislocated the shoulder you know something really out of my control so but being able to stay healthy with you know injuries that I feel like I can control taking care of my body some of the injuries that have kind of held me back in the past hamstring stuff like that 
you know, this year was, like I said, that was my biggest goal going into the year was to play a full healthy season. And I felt like, you know, obviously it's hard to tell before it happens, but I always thought that like, if I can get a full healthy season under my belt, like I'll find, like I'll be able to show showcase my ability. So in the games you're not playing in when you're not hurt this season, uh, what was your routine? Like, did you have like a scheduled off day? Like, did you know, like the night before you weren't going to be in the lineup the next day, or was that something you found out the morning of? Yeah, that was kind of something I found out the morning of. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of in the beginning of the year, you know, everyone's kind of on like a kind of like a playing schedule. Like uh, this guy needs to play a certain amount of days a week. So kind of open up the year. I was kind of on like that playing like four days a week, kind of sitting two, kind of, you know, not really an everyday guy. And then kind of as the season progressed, you know, I came to playing almost every day. And there were a couple stretches where I was playing 25, 30 in a row before I got an off day. So, you know, just take really just trying to take advantage of every opportunity and do do the best I can do. And I think everything worked out for me this year. And you guys with the drive are pretty good. I think you finished like, what, 14 games over 500? Yes, we had a really good year. So was it disappointing, like, to not make the playoffs? Because I think it was only like the top team from each league made the playoffs in the minors this year or something like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it would definitely be cool to to make the playoffs. And but, you know, what? honestly, going into the year, as when the season started, there were no playoffs. And that was kind of something that they implemented, I want to say, in like June or July that they were just saying, we're just going to take the two top teams from the whole league. And they ended up taking Bowling Green and Greensboro, two teams that were in our division, really, really good teams that they didn't lose much. Just really good pitching staffs, really good hitters. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, we would have liked to make the playoffs. But, you know, looking back on the season, we had a really good year. And, you know, at the end of the day in the minor leagues, it's all about, you know, developing as as players, you know. But I think – Obviously, making the playoffs would have been cool, but I think we did some really cool things this year, and a lot of guys really had a chance to develop. And who amongst your teammates stood out? Would it be like pitching, offensively, defensively? Yeah, actually, in the beginning of the year, uh, we were kind of leading a lot of – I, I want to say at one point in the beginning of the year, we were kind of leading almost all minor league baseball in, like, offensive categories. Yeah. Our, our our lineup was really good. Obviously, we lost some guys we had. Tyreek Reed, Devlin Granberg, Cole Cottom. We had a lot of really good hitters. Our lineup one through nine was was really good. Uh, so you think the record shows like how good a player development system can be, or do you think it has more to do with individual performances? Because like across the board, like the Woo Sox, Portland Sea Dogs, you guys at the Salem Red Sox all respectively had good years. So I'm curious what your opinion on that would be. I think obviously, I think like, you know, the depth and talent of the farm system and how guys are you know developing like I think that shows how good you know a team plays well I think that's you know that shows that the organization is doing something right and you know we had a lot of almost I want to say Salem was just missed the playoffs Portland was right in contention I mean if we were in any other league we might have been in contention but we had two like I said two really good teams that just didn't lose much and was there any excitement when some reinforcements from Salem came up, like uh, Nick York, obviously, but also uh, like Stephen Scott, Joe Davis, Charmy will be yelling guys like that. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, like losing those guys like Tyreek Reed, Granberg, Cottom, you know, it was like kind of, you know, we're losing some offensive production, but, you know, bringing guys up like Joe Davis, Scott, 
and York, who's one of the best baseball players I've seen that he's, that kid's going to be really good. He's something special. So, but yeah, like I said, bringing those guys up, Steven Scott, Joe Davis, you know, they kind of just fit right in and, you know, we just kind of really never like look back. We kind of just guys came and go and we kind of just kept doing our thing. Uh, were you able to learn anything from like, I don't know how many veterans we had there this year. I mean, like Danny Santana is the one guy I'm, I I think of immediately. So did you learn anything from him or is there like a language barrier that makes that hard? No, Danny Santana is, is an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, having him, you know, rehab with us to start the year, kind of just picking his brain and seeing the way he goes about his business. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, it's not always so much asking those guys, like, but just watching and show how they lead by example, show what they do every day. Like, like I said before, when we had Pedroia rehab and it's uh, in Lowell, we had Devers. So being around those guys is like just being able to watch them and see the way the work they put in, how they go about their business. I think you can learn so much just from that. And you yourself obviously had a pretty impressive year breaking uh, what the drive record for single season home runs was it 24. Yes. Thank you. Oh, so um, were you made aware of breaking that record when it happened or like right before it happened or not till after the fact? Yeah. So I never really, I didn't really know what the record was or if there was even a record. Uh, I remember I hit, I think I hit my 20th home run and I saw Greenville, the drive posted something like uh, Tyler Dearden is one off the record of 21. So I remember, you know, tying that, like, then I kind of knew kind of tied it and then they posted something again, like, and then I broke it. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of knew, but not until late on in the season when I kind of got right around that number. Uh, You keep that ball with you. Uh, No, I wish I did. We were in Hickory Uh, and uh, there's some, some woods out in right field. I'm not sure where that ball is right now. And you're talking about Nick York earlier, who was uh, named the minor league offensive player of the year for the Red Sox this week. But uh, do you think maybe Red Sox should hand out like a home run hitter or a slugger of the year award since you led the whole organization in home runs this season? No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, York York deserves that award. There's no doubt about it. Like the numbers he put up in his first full year of pro ball at 19, it's remarkable what he what he did this year. And, you know, getting to know him a little bit in spring training, not you know, I was kind of didn't really know him well. But as he came up, you know, kind of being around him. And just watching him, watching him do his thing, it was awesome. But yeah, no, he he deserves that award. I mean, I guess it would be cool if the Red Sox had other awards, but no, Nick York deserves deserves that award a hundred percent. Have you gotten any recognition for maybe like any of your peers for hitting that many home runs? Because I think your like previous career high was like in the single digits. Yeah, no, I've had a good amount of people reach out to me. Uh, Actually, Ray, Ray Fagnan reached out to me, you know, when it happened and he was like, just congratulating me and, and, you know, some other guys, uh, Brian Abraham, farm director, reached out to me, you know, some guys reached out to me and said, congrats. So yeah, it was, it was an awesome, awesome accomplishment. Uh, how would you say your swing plays at floor field or however you say, I'm not really sure, but yeah, floor field. Yeah, no. Um, uh, for me, left-handed hitter at floor field, you know, the uh, right field's pretty deep. I know you got p- pesky pole out there. Uh, it's kind of short, but, you know, out to right center, center is big. So for me, my approach is always, you know, left center for me. I'm trying to drive the ball in the apple gap. And 
I think having that green monster out there, there were a lot of, a lot of hits, a lot of doubles off that monster. And, you know, I never don't really try and, you know, hit home runs, you know, that's my approach line drives to the oppo gap. And I feel like that kind of lines my swing to, you know, hit the home runs when, when I get the pitch to do it, when I, when, yeah, when I get the pitch to do it with. And defensively, you look like you had what seven outfield assists in left field this season. So, how much pride do you take in your defense personally? Yeah, no, that's something that's kind of, um, kind of been knocked on a little bit. And, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that. That's something I've kind of been knocked on was my defense that I need to improve. So, working with Darren Fenster, like I said before, just working with him in spring training and being in communication with him and trying to improve every way I can defensively. You know, that that's something I did. I take pride in and something that I want I'm working to improve on. And I kind of kind of showed this year. So that's something I really do take pride in. and I want to get better because, you know, that's something that's always kind of been a knock. Yeah. I'm reading your Sox prospect scouting report now it says below average arm strength. So how how do you build that up yourself if you can? Right. Yeah. No, something I've worked at in the offseason, you know, kind of just doing a little throwing program. We have a pitching guy over at the facility. So obviously not doing crazy weighted ball stuff no. like, like the pitchers, but, you know, trying to mix in some bands and maybe so a little bit of weighted balls kind of just to try and increase that arm strength. And I, I know talking to some people throughout the year, they definitely saw an improvement in the arm strength. So you haven't bought into the whole uh, driveline philosophy yet? No, not yet. Maybe if I start pitching one day, <laughs> I'll buy in. And it looks like I didn't play any right. I mean, you played left, right and left field this season, but uh, why no center field, I guess? I played uh, just about every – I this year, uh, every game in left field. Left so, field. you know, yeah, I was in left field every game. You know, in the past, I played – I floated between left and right. This year was all in left. You know, I guess that decision's coming from up top and, you know, like I said, I'm just trying to make the, the best of every opportunity and just to be in the lineup every day, wherever they have me playing, you know, that's, that's the goal is just to be out there every day, no matter where I'm at in the outfield. Are you a natural outfielder from the beginning from like high school or like, yeah, no. So I actually growing up all the way till about high school kind of was infielder, middle infielder, you know, got into high school freshman year, didn't really have a chance to, uh, make the varsity team as a freshman. So, you know, they had me, threw me out in the outfield. You know, we had some upperclassmen in the infield. So kind of threw me out in the outfield my first year. And ever since then, you know, my first freshman year, played a little outfield, mixed in a little bit of second base. And then sophomore and junior played a little first, you know, kind of just wherever they kind of needed me until my junior and senior year. Then I really played the outfield. So it's something that I haven't always done. So it's something that, like I said, I'm trying and willing to improve on and trying to learn as much as I can. So when you see people ripping on like Jaron Duran's outfield defense, like what would your advice to him be, even though, I mean, he's older than you, but like, would you have any advice for him since he's also trying to adapt full-time to the outfield? Yeah, no. So Duran is an unbelievable baseball player. I actually met him in short season you know he was drafted that year in 2018 and that was my first year going to Lowell my second year in pro ball and I remember he they kind of started moving him into the outfield that year and like I said I mean Jaron Duran I know he gets a lot of knocks on his defensively just from the media whatever but 
he's a hell of a player and he works so hard. I know he's, I know he's going to figure it out and he's going to be a really good player for a really long time. So now that you're back home in New Jersey, uh, what are your plans look like for the off season? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, going to take the next week or so kind of relax, catch up with some friends and family, play a little golf with my buddies. Um, yeah. And then after that, kind of get back into working out, uh, swinging, throwing all those things. Obviously, the swinging and throwing will take a little bit more time off, start that probably around November or so, kind of give the body some time and kind of get back at it, start grinding, getting ready for 2022. Um, you know, had some success this year, but, you know, I'm looking forward to 2022 and I think that's a big year for me. So I'm going to do everything my power to be ready and we'll see what happens. Uh, do you think the organization will have any plans for you this off season in terms of like fall instructs or like the fall league or winter ball or anything like that? Right. Uh, not that I heard of, you know, I not going, I know I didn't get invited to instructs this year. Uh, haven't heard anything about the fall league. So, you know, uh, it's looking like a normal off season for me. Just kind of doing my own thing. You didn't get an invite to fall instructs again? No. Is that like is that like disheartening after the season you had? Or like oh, you no. use it as motivation? I mean, yeah, but I think, you know, this year especially, you know, I played a full year. Um, and I know instructs this year is kind of a lighter instructs. Mm -hmm. It's only about 10 days. So I know it's a time for a lot of younger guys and guys that maybe didn't play as much all year to kind of get their reps in. So no, not at all. You know, I'm just excited to get back back after in the weight room and the cages and be ready for 2022. And uh, in December, I'm sure you're aware about the Rule 5 draft. You can become eligible for that for the first time. Is that something you pay attention to or just something like not in your control so you don't really focus on it? Right. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's something that I like. I know it, this was my my Rule 5 year and. You know, it's something that's that's out of my control, and I try not to look into it. You know, you can't really play. I know some guys will try and play GM, but, you know, for me, those things are all out of my control. I try and just leave those things to the, the people in charge and just do whatever I can do to put me in the best spot that I can put my – and that's what I think I did this year, you know, to have a good year going into the Rule 5 year. I think, you know, whatever happens, happens, and we'll, we'll see we'll see come, come December. Obviously, the CBA negotiations are going to happen, could get ugly, but uh, assuming everything is normal next year, what are your goals for 2022? Right, yeah. Uh, 2022, kind of, you know, same thing as almost 2021, you know, have another fully healthy year, you know, wherever I start, just kind of, but like I said before, you know, me for me, the goal to stay healthy all year is me not that I don't have any other baseball goals, but I think that's what the main, that's what it starts with is if I can stay healthy all year, then I think I put myself, uh, I put myself in a good spot to succeed and, uh, you know, let the results take care of themselves. If I can stay on the field all year. Are you shooting for like an in-season promotion maybe, or maybe like start a double A out of the gate or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, obviously I'd like to start in double A next year, but you know, like I said, those things are out of my control and, you know, wherever I'm placed, wherever I start, you know, just given the opportunity to play. And, you know, when I'm in the lineup, do my best every day. And will you be watching any MLB postseason at all once that starts next month? Yeah, definitely. You know, during the season is 
haven't didn't really watch a lot of baseball I know kind of a running joke throughout the clubhouse is like you know we play we're around baseball all day we're playing games like you know it's good to like get away from baseball at night and not you know not watch baseball so but now that I'm home kind of away yeah I'm excited to watch that obviously along with some some football <laughs> uh what do you think of the schedule structure this year where you guys have like played six straight days and then had like every Monday off did you like that Yes, that's one thing that I hope they keep. I'm not sure exactly what they're they're looking at for next year. I think maybe they already did it, that they said they're going to keep it. But I know a lot of guys really enjoyed it this year, having, you know, the longer series, you know, you're playing teams more from a baseball standpoint. So you're seeing a starter twice in a six-game series. You're seeing bullpen arms a couple times. Like, it's good to kind of – you know, take advantage of seeing those guys more and getting to know teams more from a scouting side and seeing how they're pitching you, stuff like that. But, you know, just on the wear and tear of the body, I think the limited travel is good. You know, you're not playing three games, then, you know, you're on a bus and you get in at 7 a.m. and then you got you start a new series that night. You know, kind of that off day to travel or just relax is I think it was awesome. And almost everybody really liked the new setup. All right. Well, that's about uh, it for me, Tyler. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, you can follow Tyler on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler Dearden. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug before we go? No, man. I just want to say thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again.